Alrighty, it is week 17 reaction. Also a reaction to our playoff predictions that went okay in some areas, didn't go okay in some other areas, but we're going to get to that. We first are going to talk about the games from this past weekend, and it was it was a good day of football. Some exciting things, some some blowouts that just speaking about the Dolphins right there, and then some some controversy on the the Eagles side of things. Uh, Twitter was blowing up. Twitter definitely didn't yeah. like what happened, but we we can get to all that. There's plenty to talk about and an exciting super wild card weekend ahead of us but super duper the the dolphins mark wow that is not what i expected that game to go at all that completely shocked me that it's all on the line it's a win in their end scenario and they they blow it they completely blow it and they get blown out by the buffalo bills that have to be feeling pretty good heading into the playoffs yeah i think that this game was kind of uh a reminder of where Miami is at because I remember going into this week, I said that of all the AFC teams that missed the playoffs, Miami would probably be the least upset because they're ahead of schedule. Whereas the Colts, the Browns and the Ravens and the Titans, I think they all had more to lose if they missed the playoffs and had a non-playoff season. Obviously it's upsetting to get this close win 10 games and not make the playoffs, especially when they've expanded to uh, seven teams in your conference. Granted, I think this year may be a little weird just because I think COVID-19 may have ended up kicking some bad teams while they're down and made them more beatable. Um, But the fact of the matter is they missed the playoffs with 10 wins and that sucks. But I think out of all of them, they had the least amount to lose by missing the playoffs and they're going to get the number three overall pick thanks to Houston losing. So they're, they're in a good spot. And, but, but I do think this loss to the bills is a reminder that, Hey, Y'all aren't a playoff team or a super competitive team just yet. Yes, you've played some good games. You've, you've beaten some good teams. You've given some good teams some runs. But there, there are still things you have to figure out. You have to figure out your offense. You have to figure out some things defensively. Uh, obviously, not a lot of people have been able to stop Josh Allen this season. But still, it was just a very harsh reminder. And it was a statement that, hey, you, you're not going into the playoffs. And... Excuse me. And uh, we'll give you a bunch of reasons why. We'll give you 56 reasons why. So I I think that was the main takeaway for me from this game was that it really showed that Miami wasn't ready to go to the playoffs just yet because you don't lose that badly if you're trying to make it to the playoffs in crunch time. And as for the Bills, I mean, they're reeling and dealing right now. They are going in red hot into the playoffs. And unfortunately, my Colts have to play them. Uh, but I said it beforehand, I wouldn't want to play them. But I've been saying about this about several teams in the AFC. It's just a tough playoff uh, pool of the teams right now. But out of all of them, the Bills are maybe one of the hottest teams in the NFL as a whole. And uh, I mean, look out Kansas City, look out Green Bay. This this team could go on a tear. Yeah, they, they scared me yesterday because i was like oh boy they they are hot right now and if they can Mm. continue that i think any team they can take down any team but on the Dolphins side they have some foundational pieces that they should be happy about obviously they've got steps to make. they've got that number three pick and then there's the discussion if there even should be a discussion about tua 
and are you willing to say are we completely bought in do you do you find there any reason to be like hey we're sitting at that number three pick is there a world where you say maybe a QB or you're saying hey we were still buying into a it was he played half the year let's continue yeah. buying into him I think you take the good from Tua this season and you look at that as a promise for the future. And even in his bad games, his bad game, he, today he had a bad day, or yesterday and on Sunday he had a bad day. And that happens. He's a rookie. No, not everyone's going to be Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow out of the gate. And I think we need to put that into perspective. I don't think you draft a quarterback here. Tua has, has proven at times this season that he can be clutch. He's not going to, he's not going to, pop the top off of a stadium i don't think i don't think that's his style of play though i think that he can play brian flores football and i think that they should roll with him and either draft sewell number three overall if he's there and help bolster that o-line which had been an issue or you trade that draft pick and go down a couple slots get a wide receiver and continue to to give to us some help on the offensive side because I mean, outside of Devontae Parker, you're working with Lynn Bowden and Miles Gaskin and, and Mike Kosicki's a good tight end, but I, that offense is a little depleted on most fronts. And I think a, a star wide receiver could really help Tua out and really show some development next season. Might I remind everybody, and I have to keep reminding people about this. We didn't really have an off season. So give Tua another year for Pete's sake. Uh, I think that he'll be fine. I like what I've seen from Tua. Some people have been very anti-Tua, especially some people uh, related to me. So I've, they've all, I've had to defend <laughs> him over and over again, maybe more than is appropriate for how I feel about Tua, but I just feel like some people are really giving him an unfair, uh, an unfair score as of right now. And I think that he deserves another year, and I don't think the Dolphins should draft a QB, at least not with that three or third overall pick. I think what hurts to it is the, I think surprising how good this class was and how well they, yeah they did this year, because I think if the class didn't turn out to do well, I think we'd be like, all right, they didn't have a preseason, yeah. didn't have an off season. We would have been all right with it. We would have given the class a buy and said, Hey, you're a bad class, probably because more situational than you, than your talent alone. Yeah. But since a lot of them still blossomed this year somehow, I think people are willing to knock to it, even though maybe, like you're saying, Mark, it did affect him more than other quarterbacks for some mm -hmm. reason. And I think yeah. that's completely reasonable. Yeah. Browns, they made the playoffs. They did it. Now they did it. They faced the Steelers again, though. And it's a. Uh, a rested Steelers team because they obviously sat some players. So I think the Browns got to be a little bit worried. Browns fans as well being like, Hey, we, we barely squeaked this one out against a team that wasn't going fully at us. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Cleveland Browns fans just need to be happy. The drought is over. They're in the playoffs. The fact that you made it means that you can set the standard that that's what you're expected to do season after season. And if that's the case, then this season will mean more losing to the Steelers next week. Won't mean anything to Cleveland. If three years from now, they've made the playoffs two or three more times. I think that just changing the image of the Cleveland Browns from being the dumpster, the, the bum of the league forever to being 
a team that's regularly in the playoffs and a team that when you see them coming up next on your schedule, you go, oh boy, we got to play the Browns. Like that's going to be a tough game. I think that's worth it. And I, I applaud or not applaud. I congratulate Cleveland Browns fans. They've been waiting a long time for this. And I, I think they deserve to make it to the playoffs. They're, they're a fun football team. Good defense, some hard-nosed running attack, uh, double-headed rushing attack. Uh, Baker Mayfield may rub some people the wrong way, but he's he's got a he's got a likable attitude, and, and sometimes it comes off as a bit like a punk. But you know, personalities they, they can thrive in the NFL, and I think Baker Mayfield has a playoff personality, and so I, I congratulate the Browns for making it. But yeah, I, I think next week, if you're if you're thinking about this season right now, I worry Cleveland's going to just have to celebrate next week and then go back home because the Steelers are going to come back and it's not going to be Mason Rudolph at quarterback. It's going to be Ben Roethlisberger and TJ Watt's going to come back. Minka Fitzpatrick, like that's, or, oh wait, he did play. Uh, excuse me on the Minka Fitzpatrick comment. But uh, just, just in general, they're, they're going to come back a little better. And a little better, maybe all they need. They only lost by two points on Sunday. So uh, I expect the Browns to be one and done, but the effect of just making it is paramount for this franchise. It's huge. And I'm happy for all Browns fans. I grew up with one Browns friend, one of my uh, best friends for a long time, and he suffered forever. I mean, it was hilarious. I enjoyed it, but I'm happy that they finally gone past that barrier and hopefully they'll yeah. continue to get past the barrier and i think I, I like baker i think that he is honestly probably what they needed they needed someone with a personality that's willing to mm-hmm. believe there's not many quarterbacks that probably believe they could turn the browns around besides baker even if his talent's not there he still thinks he can turn that team around which yeah. i guess you could argue he did yeah i don't think a milk and toast uh, personality quarterback was gonna make it work in cleveland no way but Cardinals, Rams, Cardinals end up missing the playoffs. I want to ask you, Mark, if you think that the Cardinals should be satisfied with the season they had. Do you think this is a good stepping block, or do you think there should be some disappointment in that locker room? I mean, you can go both ways. I think this can be a good stepping block for Arizona next season. It's a step in the right direction. They were not competitive last year, despite Kyler Murray's efforts. They were competitive this year which is a good step in the right direction. That being said, the Cardinals should be in the playoffs. They screwed up last week and lost to the 49ers, gave up their chance. They could have been in the playoffs had they won that game. And they had a couple other chances that they screwed up. They lost to the Lions earlier in the season. And yeah, sometimes you lose a game or two that you shouldn't have. But the Cardinals, they had so much talent offensively. And defensively, they were on and off. But this team should feel disappointed. And I think that's a good thing. I think they should be upset. I think they should be irritated and that can, excuse me, that can drive them next season. I, I, I think you can have it both ways when, when it comes to your question. Uh, I know early in the year, I hyped the Cardinals. I said they wouldn't make the playoffs, but I hyped them going into the year. And here we are barely didn't make the playoffs. They were kind of fun to watch at times, but there are other times that they are flat out boring and flat and uninspired. And that's what needs to get fixed because there's too much electricity on the, on this offense. Blair Fitzgerald, who knows if we'll come back next year. I'm almost convinced that he'll never retire. Um, but with Kenyon Drake, Kyler Murray, Deandre Hopkins, and some other budding young stars on this team, 
this this offense should be able to bring it every single week and they don't sometimes and that's what they have to go to the offseason that's what cliff kingsbury has to do going in the offseason figure out how to bring it every game so then they can make the playoffs next season i think i'm still not sold on cliff kingsbury I think next year, mm-hmm. if if they sit in the same spot, I could see the the rumbling starting. I yeah. think he's brought them a level up this year, and he needs to do it again because if they sit around that same area, people are going to be like, "Hey, like, what's going on?" Because it's a talented group, I believe. I mean, mm-hmm. Tyler's talented, DeAndre Hopkins, incredible, and I think they should be a playoff team next year. Uh, yeah. I haven't looked at the schedules, but I think they should make that step especially with teams like the Rams, who knows where they'll be in Seahawks. They keep on making the playoffs. And honestly, there doesn't seem like there's a lot of great foundation there. It's just Russell Wilson bailing them out early in the season. But It does suck being in the NFC West mm-hmm. because I imagine it'll still be good next year. Yeah, it's that. that's, that's what hurts them. But I, they're going to need to take the step for uh, Kingsbury to probably feel comfortable in his job next year. Yeah. Sunday night football, Washington football team, they make the playoffs, but Twitter was roaring last night, roaring this morning about this this Eagles team, this Eagles throwing it to their backup QB for some odd reason. What what was your reaction, Mark? Were were you mad or were you kind of like, hey, you guys, who cares? Like the Eagles uh, <laughs> or do you think do you maybe buy into that like theory that maybe they're screwing over the giants more? Um, okay. So do you want my strong opinion on this? I imagine you probably going to give me a thumbs up. And so I'm going to, I'm going to say it. First off, I laughed. I laughed when <laughs> Nate Sudfeld came in and started playing. I thought it was hilarious. And I laughed when giants Twitter got all upset over it because <laughs> here's the deal. If you're a six and 10 football team, You should not even be in the scenario making the playoffs first off. So I have no pity for the giants. I have no pity that the Eagles decided to bench Jalen hurts who, by the way, only had was seven of 20 for 70 yards and a pick. Uh, He wasn't a great game. Granted it was against the football team and Nate Sudfeld was even worse, but regardless, I don't have a pity for a team that went six and 10 and missed the playoffs when a 10 and six Miami dolphins football team, suffered a very similar situation earlier in the day and no one cares about it let me explain the pittsburgh steelers benched ben roethlisberger they benched tj watt and they benched a couple other players the eagles benched carson wentz and they were both in competitive games now granted the steelers did it before the game even started and the eagles did it like like three quarters of the way through which makes it kind of different but not really that much miami needed the browns to lose to make the playoffs after losing to the Bills, and the Browns got a depleted Steelers team. They didn't get the full product. And now people will will make the excuse that the Steelers were resting starters for the playoffs. So it's okay. It makes sense. What difference does it make? It doesn't matter when you're talking about that single game. And it doesn't matter when it talks about the Eagles benching Jalen Hurts. I'm fine with the Steelers benching a player. I'm fine with people not getting upset over it. But the fact that people are getting upset over one game and not over the other it doesn't quite add up to me. Philly benched players. It doesn't matter to me what the reason is. If if Doug Peterson purposefully threw this game for the Giants or whoever was behind that decision, I would laugh. I would think that's crazy awesome because rivalries. And you know what? The reason doesn't really matter at this point. I imagine he just wanted to get Ned Sudfeld some reps. 
He just wanted to get him on the field playing a little bit because the game didn't matter to them. And I think that's fine too. Getting a player some reps versus letting Ben Roethlisberger rest are in the same boat of reasoning. It's all about the team's future. And so if Giants fans are going to be mad at Philly for doing that, then NFL, the NFL fans should also be mad at Pittsburgh for not actually playing Cleveland to their full strength when they very well could have beaten them. They only lost by two points. So I don't know. That's my thought. If you're going to be angry about that, you need to be angry about all occasions. The Bills benched some players, which caused me as a Colts fan to panic when I found out like an hour before kickoff on uh, yesterday that the Bills might be benching Josh Allen, which meant the Colts would just have no chance of making the playoffs just because teams benched their starters at 11 wins, mind you, not six. So I'm going on a tirade here. I'm going on a little bit of a rant, but I just want to, I want to say, if you're going to be angry about this, you need to be angry about the Steelers as well, because they also did not play to their full capacity. And, and I believe that both are fine. I think that both are acceptable things to happen. If you wanted to make the playoffs, win more football games, win more than six football games. I don't think the Giants deserve to be in. And really, if you're going to be honest, I don't think Washington fully deserves to be in, but Washington beat Pittsburgh and Washington won more games of the Giants this year. The Giants only had six wins all season. Yeah, Washington may be gifted a free win here at the end of the season, but do we even know if Jalen Hurts would have won this game for the Eagles? I don't know. We won't know that. This game was competitive. And so, ah. Those are my thoughts on the whole situation and whether the Eagles purposefully threw it or not doesn't matter to me because the giants only got six wins and people weren't upset about games that happened early in the day. The only, the only other thing that I will say about this is that Sunday night football had the option to just not have a game this week. And maybe that would have been the better decision in hindsight. Of course it's 2020, but Maybe this game should have been happening at the same time as the Giants Cowboys game. And then this wouldn't have happened because they'd be too, the Giants and Cowboys would be too focused on beating them, beating each other. And the Eagles decide that they want to start their backups. I think people wouldn't have been as outraged about it. There would have still been upset fans and stuff, but there wouldn't have been as much outrage over the whole situation. Just like there hasn't been a much outrage from Miami fans that the Steelers didn't play at full force and, didn't give them a shot at making the playoffs outside of a loss to one of the best teams in the NFL. So that that's my tirade on the whole situation. Um, but again, when, when Aid Sudfeld came in and played the way he did, I just laughed. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I thought when the NFC East Sunday night football game was scheduled, I thought there was some better games that could have been placed in Sunday night football. Personally, I would have rather preferred a Brown Steelers game Mm-hmm. or there, there is some other options where i was like i think i'd rather be paying attention to that game solely which you probably i think that probably had something to do with it is that's what everyone's watching if it was mushed in where people were maybe catching some red zone things everyone yeah would have thought about it but also i thought it was probably some new york hubris where it just comes yeah. off like <laughs> some new york people think they deserve some things in life that just i got nothing against people the city of new york but sometimes it comes across like new york people believe they are the greatest city on earth and they think they deserve things and that's what it came across to me last night is that there was a bunch of new york giants fans that thought they deserved something even though they were six and ten yeah 
Yeah. But, also, not on top of that, we people are are bashing the Eagles for throwing one game potentially, but bat, don't bat an eye when a team in New York known as the New York Jets <laughs> lose 13 games straight and then they win a game and the fans get mad that they won a football <laughs> game. So what what is the difference here? There, what is the difference? Now, granted, I'm again in both instances the players are trying to win. That's yeah. not going to change. Players are not going to purposefully lose a game. Nate Sudfeld went in and tried to win. Now, whether Doug Peterson or Jeffrey Lurie or uh, Adam Gase or whoever's in charge of the Jets, I can't remember his name at this point, wanted them to lose those games. That The players were had no part in that decision. So I don't know. It just <laughs> – there is a bit of an entitlement I saw from Giants fans last night that I just thought was kind of humorous, especially when a team with four more wins than them was going to miss the playoffs as well for a similar situation that happened earlier in the day. And nobody cares about that. Yeah. The Dolphins is the team you should feel bad about. There should have been an AFC team that people felt bad about, but instead somehow it turned into people feeling bad about an NFC team. Six and 10 Giants. (laughs) Okay. That's, that's two other things I thought, because I had a lot of takeaways from yesterday, but I couldn't have scripted the way the two last NFC East games went better than the way they did. (laughs) The Giants almost messing it up by fumbling after crossing the first down line that won them the game. That's just beautiful. And then the Washington football team winning because of two things. Uh, The other team potentially threw the game and then they got the first down they needed off of a hard count. One of the and one of the obvious times when you'd be trying to get a hard count, they jump. It's just so beautifully terrible that I the NFC East couldn't have ended any other way. And as I was watching the game, uh, I, I sat next to a Washington football team fan and I said, you know, twenty the twenty twenty NFL season deserved to end on an NFC East football game. I felt like there's nothing that could have encapsulated the season more than the NFC East at the end of the year. And then my second takeaway is that the Giants and Eagles better be a game week one next year. If the NFL knows what's going for them, (laughs) they better make that game one next year for Giants and Eagles on Sunday. It could be Sunday night football for all I care because they like to put the NFC East on it anyway. Week one, Sunday night football. Let the Giants go out after Philly. It, it would be it'd be so easy to market. It gets so much viewership from people who aren't even the fans of either of those teams. NFL, I'm sending that recommendation to you now. You better book that as a week one matchup. I, I'd be cool with that as as well. But Mark, your Colts made it. They yeah. they made it into the playoffs. I almost said squeaked into the playoffs, but an 11-5 team doesn't feel like they squeaked into the playoffs. They feel very deserving. They are a deserving team to make the playoffs. It's just yesterday some things had to go their way. And yeah. I'm sure once you watch that, Dolphins Bills game you started feeling pretty good yeah I was pretty excited I I was nervous though because I didn't want the Colts to blow it after having the opportunity to make the playoffs and there was a point in that game where I was worried they were because just came out flat in the second half and offensively couldn't stop giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor which confounded me and then the the defense just had one or two or two bad drives allow Jacksonville to score two times in a row and make it an interesting game. My thought about this is I hope that the Colts and Frank Reich and Phillip Rivers get the wake-up call from these past two games. 
you ran the Steelers over with Jonathan Taylor in the first half against the Steelers, took a demanding 17 to seven lead. Then in the second half, you get away from a run game. You can make your excuses. You called out of them. The Steelers loaded up the box. I don't care. You got away from Jonathan Taylor. The Steelers came back. The offense went flat and you lost the game. Then this week, Jonathan Taylor goes off in the first half. Then you straight away from the run again, again a little bit. You, you started on first down going into shotgun formation and, and trying to throw it around with Phillip. And suddenly the offense went flat. And then in the fourth quarter, you give the ball back to Jonathan Taylor and what? Whoa. They started doing well on offense again. So if the Colts are going to have a chance against the Bills next week in the playoffs, it rides on the back of the rookie running back, Jonathan Taylor, who actually ended the season third overall in rushing yards, which is pretty incredible given the fact that he really wasn't the uh, first and second down back until halfway through the season. Really like, like fully in that spot because really it was some weeks Hines, Jonathan Wilkins, Jonathan Taylor, like kind of switch turns for who was going to be the lead back since after Marlon Mack went down. Taylor's come in and has balled out these past few weeks. And he's looking like the Wisconsin Badger in big 12 play. I mean, that's what he looked like yesterday. And so just incredible stuff on his part. If the Colts are going to win in the playoffs, it's on the back of number 28, which is pretty crazy to think that we just drafted him this year, but that's what the formula is. And I hope these past two games just drilled it into Frank Reich's head that we need a game plan around JT for all 60 minutes and then the play action and anything, all the, all the cheeky stuff that we like to do. And I'm okay with some cheeky stuff that will build around it. But the center point is Jonathan Taylor. That's what I hope that these last two games, because they were both disastrous in their own ways, uh, uh, teach uh, our head coach. There's not many more games that had huge implications. Titans ended up beating the Texans in a very close matchup. Derrick Henry got over 2,000 yards. I'm sure fantasy owners, I mean, it didn't matter this week unless you're in a really weird fantasy league. But I'm sure you're very happy with how he did this season. Seahawks end up being 49ers. Saints beat Panthers. Packers beat the Bears. That was big. It felt good. A little bit sloppy from the Packers. But overall, I was happy with the performance. And honestly, I don't want to play the Bears. But I don't think they'll beat the Saints. But we, we can get to that later. Is, is there any other games before we go to our playoff prediction reactions that you wanted to talk about, Mark? Um... Well, first off, Deshaun Watson, he needs help. Like, bless his heart. He plays so hard for the Texans. And that's not just me saying this now because I was rooting for the Texans on Sunday because then the Colts would have a home game. But that man does so much for his team and with so little, leads the NFL in passing yards. And people will say, well, Patrick Mahomes was benched and so he would have gotten it. Well, he got it with tons less attempts than Patrick Mahomes. I think that his average per throw is, is much better than Patrick Mahomes. I don't have the number right in front of me, but I did read that. And then the, uh, shoot, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, the Lions game, Lions-Vikings. The Vikings edged out. But I just wanted for a moment to say, what on earth was that uh, roughing the passer call? I, You could say it follows the rule book, 
But if that's what the rule is, that rule is really dumb because I, that confounded me. So uh, that's all I really had to say about that. I just thought that was ridiculous. If that were a meaningful game, that would be the outrage, but it wasn't a meaningful game. So it'll get shrugged off two days from now. People won't really remember it. Uh, Playoffs are here and we've got some really interesting games up ahead. They're pretty, they're worth being excited about. I'm very thankful that call didn't happen in a Saints game because Saints fans get so loud <laughs> when something does not go their way. And I get there are some there's some bad ones out there in their life, but it, it they're they're very loud fan based when things don't go their way. But that's that roughing the passer is a little bit too to Rogers. Uh, so <laughs> I'm sometimes quiet when roughing the passer comes up because it's 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 not Rogers's fault, but it's it's due to the NFL wanting quarterbacks, which I agree. When quarterbacks go down, your team's not as fun to watch. And but that some of the roughing the passers nowadays, I I don't love the calls, but it is what it is, and it's the same thing with targeting. Is sometimes it's a little bit uh, it's kind of sucks sometimes because it seems yeah more incidental yeah you got I, I guess you just have to err on the side of player safety than on the side of you know but that's football because yeah. that lions tackle was perfectly fine mm-hmm. and it was a football play i don't know how you tackle a quarterback better than that in that situation where you make sure he doesn't get out but you gotta err on the side of player safety and as much as i hate to say that I, I'd rather it be that way than the yeah. other way around. I'd rather quarterbacks not get murdered and it not get called. Um, so it, it was just an issue. It was a scenario where it wasn't the right decision. And if the rules lend that to be the, the, the right decision by the rule book, then the rule needs to be adjusted because that's a little silly. I, I agree. I think the rules have done those two targeting and rough and passer have done more good than bad in the game of football by protecting players but then we get these instances where it's taken a little bit too far but yeah let's take a break and we'll be back with reacting to our playoff predictions have you ever wondered why everyone and their mother seems like they have a podcast today well it's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone and it continues to grow every single day and you've probably wondered how do i start a podcast and you've probably thought It's too expensive. I don't have the equipment. It'll be too difficult. I just can't do it. Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast. And I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. And we are back. Earlier this year, I believe it was on the third episode yep of our first and moose podcast what is this 2021 i don't know this is episode 20 we didn't actually bring it up at the beginning this yeah. is the the big 2-0 2-0 i think 
I believe we'll get to 25. I'm not sure. I think I love like that. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we'll get around there. It'll be, it'll be a cool number, I guess. But we predicted what we thought the playoffs would be like. And I went back and listened to the podcast on like time and a half today to refresh my memory of dumb takes. I said, good takes. I said, and, and the areas of in between where do you want to start, Mark? AFC, NFC? Let's do the big division or the big conference, the AFC. All righty. I started with Houston Texans, the seventh seed. That was a big miss. I think I had them at 10 and six. And wow. I actually had Texans, Titans, and Colts all in the playoffs. I did well in two of them, but those Texans, I, I, can't believe what I said in the podcast. I said people are getting confused with Bill O'Brien, the coach, and Bill O'Brien, the GM. We need to remember that Bill O'Brien, the coach, <laughs> is good. Oh no! Yeah, so oh, that no, w- no. wasn't the greatest luck, but I had them at seven, and that did not end up happening. Oh, we can't all be all. We can't be right all the time, and we can we can all be humorously wrong as well. I'm sure I probably said some awful things. I haven't gone back and listened. I was gonna listen to the first two episodes for the next two podcasts we're gonna do. So I'll definitely go back, listen, and cringe to some things that uh, that I said and maybe you said. Uh, but yeah, I had the Texans at seven and nine. I thought that they didn't have the talent around Deshaun Watson, if I remember correctly. And it proved to be so, but even more extreme than what I had thought at the time. So uh, going four and 12, absolute bust of a year for the Texans. Um, But I mean, I had the Colts win one more game than one less game than they actually did. And I thought they'd win the division with 10 wins. And instead they're going to go wild card round 11 and five. That's pretty crazy. And then the Texans, the Titans, I had them at nine and seven. They won two more games. Derrick Henry ended up having a fantastic year. I didn't think he was going to. And uh, kudos to the Titans. They've been a good team this season, and they won the division uh, off of a, uh, a Colts loss to Jacksonville week one. That's, that's, that's the difference between the two. Both just in, uh, if the Colts had won that game, they would have a better record overall. But that's also the loss that gave the Titans the tiebreaker because of the worst division record for Indy. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> the, Titan, the Texans were definitely... Uh, we're definitely an anomaly before the season and it proved that Deshaun Watson can't do everything. It definitely did. And then I guess we can stay in that division with the AFC there. And I, the Colts, I ended up going 12 and four. I think you said you had them 10 and six. So they met in the mm-hmm. middle with us. Yeah. And which I think they, they've had a pretty good, pretty good year i think next year i don't know what to make i think it's dependent on the offseason move especially that qb is gonna yeah. be into planning again which kind of sucks that you guys don't have the qb because you've got the pieces around him. any qb that goes in there i think should find success hopefully right yeah i think uh, before the year i thought the colts are going to be a running machine and then marlon mack tore his achilles the first game of the season which definitely put a hindrance on that. As the season went on, they were able to sort of find that with Jonathan Taylor, but they never were truly the running juggernaut I expect, expected it to be. And instead, there was a little more passing with Philip Rivers, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And I think anybody who knows Philip Rivers knew that if that was going to be the case, 
that they're going to pass the ball, that it was going to work some days and it was not going to work other days. If, if you know Philip Rivers, that's what happens. So I can say I'm pretty happy with the Colts this season. Their defense played better than I anticipated. I knew DeForest Buckner was a huge addition going into the year, but he's been phenomenal. And the defense has played fairly well throughout the season. They still are one of the best in the NFL. And so the fact that they made the playoffs, I'm happy. If we lose to Buffalo next week, I just got to have some perspective and be happy about how the season has gone. Um, but yeah, that, those are my thoughts on Indy. The Titans, I had making the playoffs, but I didn't have them. I had them losing to the Patriots, which I guess we can get to that later. We both had the Patriots in the playoffs and it didn't happen, but I think I'm going to blame it on COVID and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take that maybe as my mulligan pick here, but Titans make the playoffs. I'm not feeling as confident as last year's Titans team, but they were hot yesterday. Derrick Henry was hot and that's what really matters. Yeah. I mean, People will will slight the Titans for losing to Green Bay and then keeping it, excuse me, competitive with the Texans. But division rivalries, I think you scratch off close divisional games. If you win, you won them. And that's what matters because divisional rivalries are crazy. And Deshaun Watson played out of his mind yesterday. And those Texans players played with some, some resilience. They played with the energy I thought they'd play with uh, going into the day because of J.J. Watt's speech and the way that they were they were feeling. Um, this Titans team, yeah, I don't know if they're going to have the same kind of magic they had last year, but I mean, Derrick Henry's had a great year and any day Derrick Henry's good or is playing at a top level. They have a chance to win. Let's move on to the AFC East. I had the Patriots slotted in as the three seed and you had them barely getting in as the seven seed. So my pick, even though we both had them in, mine's a little bit more outrageous because i had them winning their division you barely had them getting in you think there's just a weird COVID year for them mark or are we are we thinking that there needs to be a lot more done more on the offensive side than the defensive side um my thought is that we i mean by the time we made these predictions we knew that their defense was going to have some opt-outs but I think that what we ended up overestimating was how much Bill Belichick could do with Cam Newton. I think we all thought that the Cam Newton we were going to see was the Cam Newton we saw for some of that season, but then he vanished. I think that that was the big issue. And so next season, the big thing for the Patriots will be, can they find their quarterback and can they find some pieces on offense? Because I think their defense will be fine next year. Their pieces will come back. They'll, they'll do better defensively. And then their offense won't have to do as much to win next year as they did this year. But I don't, Cam Newton's probably not coming back. And so I'll be curious to see what they go with that. I think where we were wrong, though, was at, it was at Cam Newton. We thought he could do more than what he could. I also thought that Bill Belichick, I honestly wanted him to pull off this amazing victory. I, I really wanted him to do it. I wanted him to figure out a way to prove the rest of the NFL and say, hey, I'm the greatest coach of all time. I still put him there, but this season, I think, with recency bias, will probably linger in people's mouths, and they mm-hmm. might not lift him as high as they should. Yeah. But the Bills, I when I was listening, I remember saying it's up to Josh Allen. I didn't believe in Josh Allen. 
and he made the jump. And I don't, yeah. there wasn't probably many people out there that made that prediction. I definitely didn't. I thought that's what I said. I said, I think maybe they get there. I had the Bills ranked as a fifth seed. And I'm okay with that at the end of the day. Josh Allen made an amazing jump. Didn't expect it whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen has entirely stepped up his game this season. And uh, for me, I had them winning their division at 10 and 6. And so the 13 and 3 team was definitely not on my radar, especially the way they've done it because their Mm -hmm. defense has been all right. I thought their defense was going to be great again, like they were last year. And then it's been on the back of their offense. And Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown, that, and then Josh Allen, of course, have been fantastic this season. And so credit to the Bills. We both underestimated just how good Josh Allen was going to be this year, but I think most people did. So I won't, I won't dog us too hard for this one. And I think Stefan Diggs mattered a lot more than we expected. I think we thought, hey, this will help Josh Allen. It'll, he'll be their top wide receiver. But I think this solidifies Stefan Diggs as a top, easily upper threshold wide receiver in the NFL right mm-hmm. now. He's done it in two yeah. places. There's a lot of wide receivers that are probably, honestly, we don't realize it, that are QB dependent. And mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs proved that he's not QB dependent. He helped make Josh Allen take a leap. And it ends up being probably the best trade of the offseason and one of the best trades in a long time for both teams. Mm-hmm. Next up, I AFC North. That's a weird one. Didn't have the Browns making it. And I also didn't have the Steelers making it. And wow, I remember I should have had them. I think I had them 10 and 6 and barely missing the playoffs. So I guess I could argue that I had a prediction about a, a very good AFC team making it, but I'm not going to. That's not really true. I just ended up having them missing it, and I, I completely whiffed on them. I have I had the Ravens as the number two seed and the Browns mm-hmm. and Steelers missing it. And I'm okay with that, but I think I should have been higher on the Steelers than I was. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember being very Steelers uh, dark horse team before yeah. the season started. And much to my surprise, they instead of – rising up late in the season to be that dark horse team they came out right at the gate and were just a top dog everything was going the way i said it would in the playoffs and at this point i i don't think they're going to be the team i expected them to be in the playoffs when i uh, predicted my playoffs at the beginning of the season i did get them at 12 and 4 which i will i will be proud of but um pittsburgh is exactly the kind of team I expected them to be at the beginning of the season. So if I had to say of any team on this list, uh, I, I could say I'm proud of, of of two predictions I made, and this is one of them. I nailed the Steelers down. I will I, I will I will give myself that. Um, I, I think it was reasonable though to think they were going to miss the playoffs because of just how much of a question mark the offense was going into the year and how much they've become a question mark here at the end of the season. Uh, as far as the Ravens, they just had a, sl- a slump, didn't they? They look like that team we thought they'd be at the beginning of the season now, but they just didn't They didn't look like that in a little patch in the middle of the year where they just squandered some things. And so I'll be curious to see if they can make a playoff push now as the hunter as opposed to the hunted like we talked about on our show yesterday. 
I guess we were just wrong about the consistency of this offense and of Lamar Jackson. We thought that they would pick up right where they left off and they, they had some bumps in the road. Lamar Jackson had some, had some of a learning curve as he's trying to become more of a passer. And I think he's starting to get the hang of it now, which is very scary for the AFC and very scary for Titans fans this very next week. Because we were both really high on the Ravens. You had them Mm -hmm. as your one seed. I didn't have them as my one seed, but I had them winning the Super Bowl. So you had them more as a regular season team. I had them as a two seed and then making it to the Super Bowl and winning it. And I don't think that team is – I don't think they're a Super Bowl team anymore, which I thought they were, and I thought they were a regular season team. I thought they would find a way to keep it going, and they did regress this year, which which is all right, but they seem like they're finding it, and we'll have to see if they can translate that to the playoffs at all. Mm hmm I'll also say this, the Browns, since they also made the playoffs, I had them only winning seven games. I don't remember what you had. Um, they ended up winning 11. And I will just say props to Kevin Stefanski. Mm-hmm. My, my candidate, Brian Flores, didn't make the playoffs. And I'm very happy and content with Kevin Stefanski winning coach of the year in, in his stead. He has given a team that had roughly the same roster as last year and boosted them several wins in a playoff spot. So props to him. He ended up being a great hire. I thought he was a bit bland when he got hired, but he's proven to be the right guy for the job. On a side note about coach of the year, I I feel bad for Matt LaFleur. And that could just because I'm a Packers fan, but he's only lost six regular season games, 13, (laughs) three both seasons, and then one playoff game. Like he has started his head coaching career phenomenal. It's just, there's been other coaches out there each year that have turned around franchises that, didn't seem like they were as good for a while. So it just, he just got unlucky in that scenario. I will say this: it is easier to coach when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. <laughs> uh, I will, I will say that, but you're also right. He has had an outstanding beginning to his coaching career and it's being a little overlooked uh, because of the team he's on, but I will also consent the fact that uh, Kevin Stefanski, Coach Baker Mayfield, Brian Flores has had Ryan Fitzpatrick and mm-hmm. Tua Tungavailoa, and I don't remember who won Coach of the Year last year, but uh, um, was it John Harbaugh? I don't remember. I think so. I don't remember. Uh, and, and he figured out with Greg Roman the the Lamar Jackson team. Uh, so uh, it, it's just it was just a matter of when you've got a guy who's having an MVP year, quite frankly. Um, you're not going to win coach of the year because the credit's mm-hmm. going to go to the MVP. And I think in this case, rightfully so. I agree. I, I just feel a little bit bad for him. Not awfully yes. bad. He's, he's getting to coach a really good team and possibly a Super Bowl team in the second year. Last division in the AFC, AFC West. Only the Chiefs made it out of that division. Yeah. And arguably it seemed like it would be one of the best divisions still a very good division mm-hmm. but due to some injuries and with the chargers and Broncos and Raiders kind of just floating up there. I had the chiefs number one seed and actually I didn't have any of the other teams making it. That's kind of shocking. I didn't even realize that when I was back mm-hmm. listening to it, which kind of, it's a little weird. I think I guess I assumed they were going to beat up on each other, which in a way they did mm-hmm. and it hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I end up having the I had the Raiders in the playoffs along with the Chiefs, and the Raiders at times seemed to prove me right this season, and then at other times just proved me wrong. They had some 
games where I was completely flabbergasted by the result. That blowout loss to the Falcons comes to mind. Um, they blew a game against Miami. That's a two-game swing right there. They could be 10 and 6 right now and only a game shy of my 11 and 5 predict- a prediction. I looked pretty crazy at the time when I had the Raver- Raiders going 11 and 5. They were sort of my my secret team. I was thinking, "Oh, I got this on my back pocket. I think the Raiders are going to be good this year and everyone's going to everyone's going to think I'm crazy and I'm going to be right." Uh, I wasn't quite right. <laughs> I'll admit it. 8 and 8. They're not quite there yet. We'll see if they can take another step next season. That defense needs a lot of work though. And the Chiefs, I had going 12 and four due to their tough schedule. The Chiefs pretty much went 15 and one this season. If, if they needed to, they would have been 15 and one, I think, and uh, proved to be uh, just the buzzsaw team of the NFL right now. We move on to the NFC. Start with that NFC East, Mark. And when I was listening back to the podcast, you said you thought the NFC East was going to be bad. I think you did it to us, and you picked the Cowboys winning it at eight and eight. I had them yeah. at eleven and five winning their division, and I remember you saying it. You went like, "I don't know. I think it's just going to be an awful division, and they're going to end up because they get to play other teams in their division. They're going to end up winning their division, and that's basically what happened." Yeah, see, I was going to say <laughs> this was the other the other prediction I made that I was proud of. <laughs> Um, I don't think anyone could have predicted a losing record winning a division any year, but I, I pretty much got as close as one. Yeah, you were very close to it. But yeah, so <laughs> I remember being on Sports Page, which um, if you're unfamiliar is U92 Sports Talk Show that happens on Wednesday nights. Uh, two guys on the panel with me during the NFL preview show, I said, or they said the Cowboys were going to go to the Super Bowl, and I laughed at them. And then I said, the Cowboys are going to go eight and eight and win the division. And looking back, I don't know if this is me being biased, but if Dak Prescott hadn't gone down, I think the Cowboys would have been about eight and eight and would have won the division. So uh, either way, the fact of the matter is, is going into the year, I felt like the writing was on the wall that this division wasn't going to be good. But even then I was shocked at how terrible this division was this season. And so just looking back, hopefully these teams all, they all have the ability to take it up a notch next year. Jalen Hurts, hopefully in year two of the Eagles can help improve that Eagles team. Dak Prescott comes back. The defense has gotten better throughout the year. They have great receivers. Dallas should be better. The Washington football team will be in year two of this crazy defense. The Giants are a lot of young talents and it's year two of Joe Judge. I think this division will be better next year but it was just not ready this season for any of the teams. And so, uh, yeah, I'll pat myself on the back. I think that was the best prediction I made in those shows uh, at the beginning of the year. It was definitely a good prediction, but you ended up making us watch some bad football if you were the one that, uh, that <laughs> caused, caused it. that. <laughs> it's my fault. I did this. And NFC North had the Packers winning it. Had them as a three-seed at 11 and five, and then had the Vikings squeaking into the playoffs at the seventh seed. Didn't expect the bears to be very good. I don't know the exact record I had them, but I'm sure it was like a seven and nine, six and 10 type of team, something middle of the road, bottom, pretty much mediocre, but the Packers, I do, I do remember believing that uh, maybe there was a spite tour. Why can't we improve? Even though I had them as a worse record, I believe that maybe they could 
you know, still do well, even though people thought, hey, time is up for Rodgers, which has been a narrative. And I know his numbers have done that, but I'm happy with this uh, so-called spite tour, hate tour of of the media Rodgers. The only media person he seems to like is Pat McAfee currently. Yeah, I've been in, I've been loving those those interviews. They're great, and um, I'll, this is where I'll give you I'll give you props because I think just about everybody, literally everybody, was eating up the Packers regression year. The the idea was there was nothing no, nothing new coming. Aaron Rodgers is a year older, and there there's nothing to see that this team has gotten better. And then you are like, hold on. But those are also very similar reasons you could use that they're going to be better because they're all coming back. It's year two of Matt, Matt LaFleur. The only thing that's really a negative is Aaron Rodgers being a year older. But I think Aaron Rodgers being irritated by last season overrides the, the one year of aging he did. And so the Packers really came back. And although they have some of the issues they had last year, they've proven to just be a better Matt LaFleur product. And Aaron Rodgers put on a phenomenal season, which he seems to do whenever there seems to be hate going his way. Um, So props to that. You might be able to credit a little bit to homerism, but I I know you, I know you're not just gonna go, Oh, Packers all the way. Like some people I know Um, you, you, you saw that as a possibility. Everyone else overlooked it and look where they are 13 and three. I don't think anybody had them going Mm -hmm. this good this season. Definitely didn't expect that. And it, it probably is a little bit, some homerism. I was able to cut, you know, twist the narrative that everyone was pushing but i think it is due to matt lafleur's year two it is that mm-hmm. we that they got better at running a system and it kept them at 13 to 3 again which shocks a lot of nfl people when we look back at the beginning yeah but the bears definitely didn't have them in there and for a while i thought they were what five and one and then awful mm-hmm. and now they're doing okay again i think they yeah. could i don't the saints is a hard matchup but I think if maybe they got a, if they ended up getting lucky facing the Seahawks, maybe, but the Saints is going to be a difficult one for them. Yeah, that is. And I think what we thought of them was just, we thought their offense was going to beat poo. And it kind of was for a lot of the year. And then David Montgomery got going and Mitchell Trubisky started playing better football. And they look more like the Bears team that made the playoffs a couple years ago. Um, uh, but that's the thing. I think. We were right a lot of the season, and then we were wrong about the exact same thing. So uh, that's where I think the the preseason perspective of the Bears comes mm-hmm. from. We were also wrong about the Lions. We thought they'd be better. Matt yeah. Patricia is truly just was not the answer, <laughs> and that ended up being the case uh, this year. And the Vikings were just too young, too young. Yeah, they'll be good next year. NFC South, you, I believe had the yes you had the saints as your one seed mark correct mm-hmm. yeah and i had the saints as my one seed as well which they end up two seed not a bad prediction from us maybe if drew Brees, drew Brees plays the whole season they don't mm-hmm. lose that one game and then they squeak into the one seed who knows who knows what ends up happening if that scenario happens and if they don't start slow they do it but i feel good about that prediction and mm-hmm. then yeah the Bucks, though, I had them as my my sixth seed, and I definitely did expect eleven and five season. I expected them yeah. to take maybe a nine and seven, ten and six season, but they eleven and five season. That's pretty darn good for it. I feel like a, a lot of new pieces. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, I had them at 10 and six going into the year. Now there was another prediction I made in this division that was very wrong. Um, but the, the Buccaneers ended up being, uh, I think most people anticipated them to have some on games and some off games, just given the, the lineup they've got. And that's kind of how it was. They had games where they didn't look good against the Rams, against the Saints in particular. And then they had games where they just popped off against the Lions, against uh, the Falcons yesterday. And that's just what happens, I guess. And I think that with guys like Mike Evans, Antonio Brown now, which we didn't know was going to happen at the beginning of the year, uh, Tom Brady, you're just going to have that, that streaky defense. There were going to be off games and they're going to be on games. And they just proven that they can have more on games than off games. And uh, yeah, even though I had them at 10 and six, I kind of begrudgingly had them at 10 and six. So just that one more win is pretty shocking to me. It is shocking to me as as well. I didn't have any more NFC South teams in the, the playoffs, but what was, what was your one team that you uh, – I, I had the Falcons – uh, <laughs> I had the Falcons at 10 and 6, and they ended up placing last in the NFC. So <laughs> that's where I got wrong. They went 4 and 12. I had the Falcons going 10 and 6. I drank the Kool-Aid again. I saw the talent and I thought it was going to work and it didn't work. And it's been the, the, it's been the Falcons formula for years now. And I even admitted it back then, if I remember correctly, that I was drinking the Kool-Aid and that it might not work again, but I could, I couldn't have even foresaw four and 12 uh, back in August. It, I, I just thought that wouldn't have been a possibility with this team. Yeah. They've just been so disappointing. And hopefully Raheem Morris after an off season, if he gets the coaching job can turn some things around, but we're going to see a new Atlanta Falcons very soon. Cause even if they missed the playoffs, I could have seen like a seven and nine or eight and eight mm-hmm. team. I, the, yeah. the four and 12 is not something you suspect from the Falcons. And I understand no, no. like you're saying, drinking the Kool-Aid because I, this is not what I expected from the Falcons. I mean, it's a team on paper every year that you do get excited about that. You can convince mm-hmm. yourself to buy into them and then they're just not doing it. And then another team in that division we uh, ended up picking for the Super Bowl was the Saints, Mark. We bought into it. We, who knows, they can still do it. They're, they're playing yeah. well right now, but it, we always buy into it. We both begrudgingly decided to pick them as our Super Bowl uh, representatives from the NFC. But as of right now, do you think that's, that's a team for, for the NFC? No, I don't think it is. I think Michael Thomas might come in and make them look better than they have the previous few weeks, but I don't, I don't see the Saints team beating the Packers. And I think that it's probably the Saints and Packers are, are and maybe the Bucks are your three teams I would bet are your Super Bowl teams in the NFC. And I don't, I don't see the Saints beating the Packers. So, no, they're not. They're, they're the team we thought they would be. They have all the talent. They have the pieces on defense, but they just don't make it work. And that is why I begrudgingly picked them in the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. It's why you begrudgingly put them in the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. And we're in the exact same situation now where I can argue the Saints could beat the Packers, but I just don't think it will happen. I agree. But if you're listening on the air, we've got a little bit more playoff predictions to go over. So you can check us out on any podcast platform. But that's going to wrap it up for our on-air show on United to the Moose. And you can catch the rest of this episode on any podcast platform.
and we're still here, Mark, on the yep. podcast side of things. We've got the NFC West. Man, what a division. What a division. Yeah. Seahawks, I had as my fifth seed, and I put the 49ers as the number two seed. Didn't think they would mm-hmm. regress. And maybe they wouldn't have as Yeah, much. let's... Let's put this to perspective. I, you said your mulligan was the Patriots. I think every single predictor, including you, gets to mulligan on the 49ers <laughs> this year. I don't think anyone should take flack for their 49ers prediction because, uh, honestly, those who should get flack are those who had the winning six games the season before the year <laughs> because they won six games without so much of their team all season jimmy garoppolo for most of the year raheem mostert nick bosa so many other pieces that just top to bottom and then losing your home field this is the team this is your uh if we want to have some sort of award for the team that got hurt most by 2020 by covid19 you look no further than the san francisco 49ers the the worst uh, not self-imposed Super Bowl hangover ever because this was not okay. I guess you could, I, I could argue the Falcons have had the worst Super Bowl hangover ever because it's lasted for more than a year, but uh, that's self-imposed. This is the worst uh, non-self-imposed Super Bowl hangover because this is entirely not their fault and they played great all season. I think if they were at full health, they would be in the playoffs. Look at the talent that made it into the playoffs. The, the, the bears, and the Rams are two teams that I think would be worse than a healthy 49ers team. And so I don't think that we have to apologize for our predictions in this regard because it happens. The NFL, when we make these predictions, we are aware that some of them are Mm -hmm. going to be wrong because of injuries. And this was uh, the ultimate case of that, in my opinion, at least. I, I agree. I, I guess I did say the Patriots would be my mulligan, but you're probably right. I think the 49ers is probably the biggest one that no one could really predict because going to the season, the Patriots, we knew players were out. The The 49ers didn't see it coming whatsoever when it ended up happening COVID-wise. Well, they'll probably be back next year. And then I think so. And people are going to, some people will, will make sure to point it out, but I think others are going to forget that the 49ers are as good as they are and will be shocked when they start the season like 7-0 and again. I, I definitely could see that happening. Rams, I missed on. I remember in our biggest questions, when we ended up reflecting on that, I said, where did all the money go? Because they spent money on a couple key players and a lot of money, but it ended up, you know, working out for them. They're an up and down team. They uh, they play really well and then play really awful. But ten and six makes them into the playoffs. Didn't expect that. I don't remember what I had them at missing the playoffs. Probably middle of the road. And mm-hmm. then the Seahawks, I had them as my five seed, and they ended up outperforming that as a twelve and four team. But I, I'm pretty happy with the NFC West because that's a weird division. But a team you were you did really well on Mark was the Cardinals. You had them missing the playoffs but you said they're going to be a fun team to watch and they'll probably barely miss it. Yeah. I, I had them at nine and seven missing. They went eight and eight and missed. And so my thought is that, you know, it's roughly what 
I was anticipating. Mm -hmm. I thought the issues and the positives were going to be more, uh, what's the, glaring than they were this season. There were times that the defense this year stood up and made some plays. I didn't think the defense was going to do anything of, of note before the season started. And I thought the offense was going to run up the scoreboard almost every single week to keep them in games. There are weeks where this offense just fell flat on their face. Look at last week against San Francisco. And then I won't count yesterday because it wasn't Kyler Murray in for most of the game, but it was roughly about the, in theory, the team I thought they would be. I'm honestly more uh, shocked by the fact that uh, I had the Rams going nine and seven missing the playoffs. They went 10 and six and made the playoffs. They were not in any way how I thought it would be. And, and it's by two things. Their defense is where that money went, I guess would be the answer to that question, but we'll have an episode, a whole episode dedicated to answering the questions we asked at the beginning of the year. Um, the money went to the defense and it paid off Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. They, they get the money and they, make it worth it because they are both great players at their positions. And then there are other great defensive pieces on that Rams defense. John Johnson is another name that comes to my head immediately who has played really well. This is a good defense and that is what they've ridden off of for the most part. And then on offense, although you can give some love to Cooper cup and Robert Woods, who both uh, Robert Woods, I know is making some decent money, but there are running backs who are all no name guys going into the year were the, the catalyst of their offense. So although maybe my preseason prediction numbers-wise is roughly close, it was not at all the Rams team I was anticipating it to be. Let's end it with talking about our Super Bowl predictions because the the rest of the matchups are so weird and not really going to match what, what they are going divisional wild card and championship. But... Mm -hmm. We both had the Saints making it. I had the Ravens from the AFC, and you had the Chiefs from the AFC. And it looks like you'll probably get the Chiefs right, and I might miss out on both of mine. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs, they're so weird because I can totally see people predicting the Chiefs losing the playoffs this year given the way that they played. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, and, and we talked about this, that they've just goofed around all season. Like they've just been playing and I don't, and I mean, they're playing a sport. It's a sport. They're, of course they're playing, but I think even then they weren't conducting themselves like, ah, this is business We're we're in to go to the playoffs. It's like, they already knew it was just, it was a given that they were going to be in the playoffs and they were going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. I think playoff time, they might just turn around and flip that switch. I think that's, what's going to happen. I think the saints are going to go or the saints, the chiefs are going to go in the playoff mode and it's going to get ugly. So Although I could see people picking the Chiefs losing given the way they played all season, I don't see it happening. I think I think the Chiefs are going to be in the Super Bowl. Now the Ravens could get the Ravens are hot right now, so they be your prediction is not gone, I don't think. But I think it's hard to pick against the Chiefs in the AFC right now. And then on the NFC side, we both have the Saints. I already went on the little tirade. They in theory could, but history says otherwise. You actually had the Bucks, I believe, in the divisional round having to face the Packers on the road. And that very well could happen mm -hmm. with how it's laying up. And 
I'm kind of scared of that matchup, to be honest with you. I think that matchup would would frighten me a little bit. I think we the Packers can get revenge, but I also think what if it's just a bad matchup? What if it's the one team that the Packers for some reason can't beat? They just don't match up well. So that's a lingering question where I would be scared to play the Bucks, to be honest. Um, I think the one big difference between that game that happened early in the season and now are two things. And they both are kind of the same thing, but I'm going to divvy it up into two things. One, the game was at Raymond James Stadium. Two, it's January. And when you add those two things together, what's that mean? It's not at Raymond James Stadium, which means it's at Lambeau. And it's not going to be warm Tampa Bay. It's going to be really freaking cold and maybe snowing. So I think those are two things that indelibly work in the Packers' favor and give them the advantage over the Packer or the Buccaneers in this rematch, which I'm sure Aaron Rodgers would love to get a bite at to just, uh, it, it's his one blemish on the season, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They lost a couple other games, a couple to be exact. Um, but this was the blemish. This was the bad game. You lost to the Vikings one time, big deal, divisional game. And you lost to the Colts in an overtime affair, big deal. They're in the playoffs and it was a close game. It's not like you dropped an egg like you did against the Bucks. Wouldn't that be a great game to to dish out payback in at Lambeau when suddenly it's in your house? So, yeah, you can be worried. We've talked about this year about how the Buccaneers are just a team that could win any game on their schedule just because of the way they're built. They could just have a good day. But I think the Packers wouldn't be scared. I don't think you should be scared of them, per se. I agree. I just think I'm a little bit worried a little bit in the back of my mind that that lingers there, but Mm -hmm. that's a reaction to our playoff predictions. I think overall we, we hit pretty well. We had some misses, but that's expected. You you can't win everything. It's, we didn't have a preseason to watch this year, even though that probably wouldn't have changed much for my uh, decision-making, but here we are. We're, We're to super wild card weekend as they are calling it now. And if you didn't know, we're going to be live Saturday yeah. and Sunday from noon to kick. And I'm on board with these three games on both days. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I would have had some credit. I would criticize a little bit the way the matchups are organized or like arranged, but yeah. give or take it's playoff football. Every team gets a primetime game. Now um, Colts bills are up first. I'm nervous. My thought on the situation is I just hope we don't get blown out because I think we can put up a good fight. I'd like us to. Um, but each of these games has some intrigue. Even the pesky Washington football team <laughs> against the Buccaneers is not uh, set in stone. I think there are some good storylines in all six matchups. Um, I think the most boring of them is the Bears Saints, if we're going to be honest. Yeah. Um, but that's just the style of play of those teams that make it boring. It could, it could end up being the most interesting game of the weekend, knowing how the playoffs can go. So it's exciting stuff. Uh, we've never seen playoff football like this before, where we have six whole games in one weekend. It's going to be a lot of craziness, I think. It's going to be wild, like the its name uh, describes. And we're in... It's been it's been a fun season. It's it's been crazy, and I think the playoffs will follow suit. And I guess just talking about our predictions, I was someone that was a little bit I was a skeptic about adding a seventh seed, and 
here we are and I'm all in. I'm all in. I love more football and I guess we'll see how it turns out, but I think I'm going to be all in for the future. Yeah, I, I'm kind of withhold my judgment. And that's not me just saying that because the Colts are a seven seed. But my thought is this going into this year, my thought was think about all the bad teams that are going to make the playoffs because of this seven seed. And I don't know if we can use this season as a sort of gotcha. That's not correct. Because I think, and I mentioned this earlier on, I think it was easier to get a lot of wins this season than other years. Because if your team was doing well, or no, sorry, if your team was doing poorly, it was a lot harder to keep your head up and keep playing when you don't have fans, when you're away from home. I just think that it all added up and made bad teams to be really bad. And so the teams that were doing good were riding off of that and are able to go in and win the games that typically sometimes you drop. You just randomly drop games. It happens. You're away from home. The away crowd is into it and you lose. And that didn't really happen this year, which is why we had a 10 win dolphin team, which is why we had, a wild card group in the AFC, all consisting of 11 win teams. That's that just doesn't happen. So I'm going to withhold my judgment this year. It works out great because then we don't have these, mm-hmm. te- we don't have teams like the Colts, which would have broken my heart. If they won 11 games <laughs> and missed the playoffs, um, missing the playoffs. So I'll be for it for now. Um, but I'm not 100% on board with it until I see next year, uh, if, if next year is more of a normal quote unquote NFL season. Well, that's going to wrap it up for our, our show today. Don't miss our shows on the weekend. That's a one hour show, 12 to kick off on Saturday and Sunday for wildcard weekend. And we've got more shows on each weekend previewing the games. And of course we've got the, the podcast as well, but thank you for listening today to first and moose with Connor Taylor and Mark Schoenster.